When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, John McFarlane. Today I'm joined by not only my usual pundit friend, Scott McDermott, but Gavin Berry. Welcome, Gav. Hi, Johnny. Today we're going to be talking about Rangers director of football, Ross Wilson, recently announced and what he has on his long-term, short-term and medium-term agenda. I've got that the wrong way around, but never mind. We'll carry on. Um, we're going to look at Joe Aribo, who scored a terrific goal for Nigeria uh, against Brazil, none other than Brazil. And then we will touch on the Legends game at Ibrox uh, at the weekend. So, Scott, we're going to start by having a wee chat about Ross Wilson. We've all obviously reacted already to his appointment because yep. in the last podcast we went into a little bit of detail on that. But what I want to drill into is what's going to be on his plate. What's the first thing he's going to be looking at? Is it going to be January recruitment? Uh, recruitment, certainly. Johnny, whether that will be, I don't think that will be just first team recruitment. Uh, I think recruitment will cover, you no know, academy recruitment uh, in terms of young players from UK and abroad. Um, I mean, if you look at the Rangers team just now, in terms of getting into the January transfer window, and you ask yourself, you no, know, how many players the Rangers need? Do they need them? Day? It's difficult to look at that squad and say, right, they definitely need this type of player, they definitely need a guy in that position. They're playing really well at the moment, they're top of the league. I mean, one of the problem positions uh, that we spoke about previously was obviously left-back, but Barisic has, has seemingly nailed that down now with some with some terrific performances for club club and country, so I don't think that's you know, as much of an issue now, if at all. Um, they're covered in pretty much every other area. The two strikers are are on fire, no 26 goals be, between them this season. So in terms of you know, Ross, you know, an immediate job for Ross Wilson to do in terms of people looking and who's he going to bring into the first team, I don't think that's really that'll really be a priority for him initially. Um, it'll be more long-term think towards next summer, if there's players out of contract, or you know, thinking, you know, thinking maybe a year or two uh, down the line, as well as... You'll obviously have a big role to play in academy recruitment and stuff like that, and no, that that'll be all the kind of stuff that's on his plate as soon as he gets in there. Gav, is long-term recruitment, people like Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, yeah. Jeremy Ryan Defoe, Jack, Ryan Jack. How do you replace these guys? Even oh, how do you replace them? <laughs> With great difficulty. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Just <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting yeah. a, a, a ten thousand word thesis by the end of the day. <laughs> um, no, sorry, you were just, I was just about to say they're um, getting guys like Ryan Jack, Jermaine Defoe, Alan McGregor on new contracts. That's yeah. what I was about to say, getting deals but for these guys. Uh, even listen, Ryan Jack's sure, absolutely, sure. that's, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. But in terms of age, Alan McGregor's 37, yeah. Jermaine Defoe is the same age. Yeah. You, you can't and rely on these guys no, ad infinitum. And, 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 and where the difficulty does come in replacing guys like this is that, I mean, if you think of, of somebody like, 
It's, it's difficult for Ross Wilson because Jermaine Defoe came to Rangers primarily because of Stephen Gerrard, you know, as a guy he played with. Alan McGregor, you know, came to the club because of, you know, his, his love for the club and because he'd been there before. So, you know, getting guys of that quality who don't have any attachment to Gerrard or the club, you know, is really difficult because it, you know, costs a lot of money. But I suppose somebody like... Joe Aribo, you know, I mean, he'd be an example of somebody, you know, a summer signing, good age, and we're now seeing really good quality. Sell on value. Sell on value. That's the kind of, that's the kind of calibre of player you would be looking at. I mean, he's coming from League One. They're not all going to be a success when you're recruiting from that level, but, you know, guys like that, and he's obviously worked down south, so he'll, I mean, it's a, that's a kind of market that he should no well, but you but you're right. What you're saying, John, in terms of long term. I mean, see if you look at the see if you just look at a striking department at Rangers first team level, right? You've got a guy in Defoe who, as much as I think most punters will want to sign on again next year, uh, so that would be another year's contract. But he would be 38 when that runs down. If that's what he gets, so obviously coming to the end of his career. Then you've got Morelos, which is a flip side. No, a young striker that they've bought in fairly cheaply. But no, we all know about the speculation that surrounded Morelos. We know about his ambition to go and play in the, the Premier League. So you've got your main two strikers there with uncertainty over their long-term future at Rangers, really. And that is ultimately what the director of football role is going to be. He's got to look at that situation. That's just one small department, if you like. He's got to look at that situation and say, right, we might lose Morelos in a year or, or less, realistically, and the four might only be around for another year. So I need to start looking at Rangers strikers for the next five years, basically. And I think, as I say, I'm no expert on the role, but I'm assuming as a director of football, that is your job. He's he's going to have to go and look at strikers uh, for Rangers to potentially go and get in the next couple of years. Yeah. Young strikers, no... Probably different age brackets, different uh, different prices, but he's going to need to sit down with Gerard and decide. No, here's the type of player we want. Here's the kind of here's the kind of age profile, and that's the kind of long term planning. I think that you're talking about. Another thing he's going to have to do in the short term come January is get rid of the dead wood that Mark Allen was unable yeah. to get rid of because I mean that's too much money being yeah. to do at the club. So all these guys, he's going to have to try and find buyers for them somehow. Get them out the door. Who, the other, who, who, who would you see? Is on that list. Obviously, Eros Gresda. Well, yeah, the guys. Yeah, Gresda. Rossiter, Jason Holt. Well, is is Rossiter not Rosser, away anyway? Rossiter and Holt. Yeah, I think their contracts are up at the end of the season anyway, and after after the loans. They got Dorans out, didn't they? Yeah. Certainly, Gresda. I mean, you're talking about his priorities. Getting Gresda out the door would be one of the one of the main priorities. Getting him off the wage bill in January, surely. Um, with Ross Wilson's contacts around Europe. You would like to think he'd be able to put enough kind of feelers out to get you no know, to get some interested parties because um no Gresda's draining a draining a wage out of the club, a pretty considerable wage I would imagine for a for an international player who came in uh, for a hefty fee. So I mean it might seem like a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but he'll certainly need to try and get him out the door as quickly as possible. And then when Gerard goes to Liverpool 
Eventually, <laughs> he's going to have managers lined manager. up. That's the thing. They're always. Is that stuck. an exclusive, no. Gav? <laughs> no, but, but the, these Gav's guys. Right. No, but That's, these but yeah. these guys. I know as much as right now. I know it does seem ridiculous because you know he's he's unlikely to be going anywhere anytime soon. But you know you don't know. He wins the league. You know he's not going to be here forever. You know, so I mean, you might be talking a couple of years down. So these guys should always have um, lists of people that if if he goes, just as they've got. For, for positions in the team when he goes right here's a guy we can go for now yeah, well, same if Gerard goes well ne- that, that, who's that's, next that's oh. what Southampton became yeah. famous for almost yeah. Yeah. was this succession of, of mm. managers that they had that they seemed to have lined up I mean probably with the exception of Mark Hughes well, just about just about all of them you could pretty much say had reasonable success you know, Pochettino Koeman Pellegrini uh, now Hasenhutl obviously so I mean, Southampton have pretty much been famed for that, and Ross Wilson obviously played a big, a big part in that. Having, no, having the new manager teed up whenever it was time for the the current one to move on. I was going to move on to this later, but we've start we've started talking about it. So, what what is the profile of the next Rangers manager, Scott? Because they have to have learned from what they went through when they tried to get Derek McInnes. It fell apart. Murty was in place. There was no one obvious and therefore it was very, very difficult for them to find someone. I think it's difficult because, and I, th- I wrote about this uh, recently in the Sunday Mail, talking about if Gerard didn't win the, the title this year, would Rangers fans want to get rid of him? And I made the point that, no, why would you want to get rid of Because where do you go next? I mean, Rangers, even with the current board, have pretty much tried everything or have looked at everything. You don't think Derek McInnes would be an option going forward? Uh, I'd be surprised if, if he was an option when, when Stephen Gerrard for, ob- for obvious Scott. reasons. <laughs> um, no, but they've kind of went down the, no, they've went down the foreign route with Pedro Cachina. Didn't work out. They went down the kind of total football route, if you like. No, they kind of playing out. Mark Warburton style, pass, pass, pass became too one-dimensional. Fans kind of turned against it. That that didn't quite work. They've now went with Gerard, which was totally different. You know, a guy with no managerial experience, but a huge a huge profile as a player. Um, I think at the time before Gerard arrived, if there was any talk about an Alec McLeish or a Walter Smith coming back, you no, know, that kind of proper Rangers man, if you like, fans weren't really for that either. You know, they had that with Ali McCoyst and um, no, for different reasons, obviously that didn't work out. So they've kind of tried pretty much everything. Gerard, at this moment in time, seems to be the perfect fit. If he was to go in a year's time, I think it'd be really difficult to try and pinpoint but, but, but who'd the be the right thing guy. Is that when we spoke about it, when we spoke, I think when we all spoke, I think on video the day of the kind of Gerard's story yeah. breaking, whether we thought it was you know the right move or the wrong move, or say, well, they're pretty much. I mean, there was a kind of. It was a hard, it was a harder sell than it is now. I mean, that is a good thing with Gerard and what he has he's done in his time at the club. But even if he doesn't win the league, he has made it a much more attractive job because yeah, you know, definitely. Saying, whoever comes in is pretty much nothing to nothing. But Gerard, being the guy he is, you know, he's brave and he's up for the challenge. And you know, he was young and obviously it was it was it was a big deal for him. But now for anybody who coming coming in, it's not as daunting. No, he's generated more money. So the gap has closed. So it's, you know, I think 
Yeah, they've so got a lot more takers now, yeah, for the I, of... I agree with all that. I wonder, though, if there is something to be learned from Gerard and his success so far. Like Graham Soonis, like Walter Smith, yeah. Gerard's one of these guys with a certain type of personality, an mm-hmm. aura, uh, a leader, a guy who doesn't take any nonsense. Uh, listen, you go to other clubs and their uh, most storied players are, are guys with great flair, mm-hmm. uh, guys who have wowed fans with their, their quality. Rangers' number one player of all time is John Gregg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something about the club that, that is intrinsic to the club. It's about mm. hard work. It's about leadership. Yeah, yeah. It's Res- about standards. Yeah. Respect. Gerard brings that. Soonest yeah, he does brought a pe- it. Yep, Walter Smith brought it. it. Yep, yep. That's the kind of personality Rangers need. Yep. Because every club has its own individual mm-hmm. personality Character. that's larger. Yep, yep, yep. And for me, that's the big lesson of, of Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. You yeah. need that kind of character at Rangers. Yeah. No easy to find, though. I mean, those <laughs> yeah. those yeah. guys are few and far between, particularly in football yeah. nowadays. I think the way the game yeah. is going, it's difficult to find yeah. the guys like that, the guys you're talking about with real aura that you know, commands respect and you know, gets into a dressing room and just gets people you know, hanging on every word. That's... They're few and far between. That's why Rangers, are, I think, are lucky to have someone like Gerard. And You're why, right. as we say, it's going to be really difficult. You're, you are right. He gets it. I mean, he does. There's no doubt. He, he gets it. The club has got under him, and there's probably a kind of they are just like almost like the perfect fit. Because I remember when we were talking about various when the candidates were the names were being thrown about as possibilities. I think Graham Potter's name was thrown in there at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. Who was doing well over in Sweden? And it was one of those where, he, you know, it wasn't the worst shout in the world, and he's actually going on to do quite well now, and you can see that yep. he's decent, but but he's not that type, the type that you're talking about. It's, he's it, more more it, like a Mark Warburton. It type. would be going down a different yeah, yeah. road, yeah. So I mean, you don't know how it would have worked out. Certainly. I think fans appreciate, you know, well, they'll, Rangers fans love the fact that Gerard, you know, the big name, but certainly I think they appreciate his characteristics, I think, you know, I as think, a player. I think Rangers fans like a manager as opposed to a head coach, yeah. basically. That that kind of sums it up for me. A lot of clubs now are going down the head coach route where, no, ironically, we're talking about directors of football. Ironically, the model elsewhere for a lot of clubs is that the director of football is in charge of all the signings and... No, the, the the head coach just coaches, uh, yeah. but we know now we've spoken about it before. That's no, that's not what Stephen Gerrard's yeah. all about. He but, wants to be the man manager. Yeah, and the Gerrard type that you're talking about. I mean, as you know, they are few and far between. I mean, who would you then? Be, you know, some. I mean, Barry Ferguson would, uh, you know, a player. Yeah. And, you know, would sum up that. But would he, would he be able to go in and do it? You know, would I he think be going to do the job? Pro- probably not. That would be a huge jump from Kelly yeah. Hearts. Yeah. We'd have to go and prove that. But it was else. a huge jump for Gerard from Liverpool under 18. So, I mean, if you're Barry Ferguson, you would maybe argue, because I think we mentioned Barry Ferguson's name, yeah. you know, at the time when Gerard was getting and saying, well, if you're Barry Ferguson, you would say, wait a minute, you've, Listen, you've I, overlooked me. I'm a but, huge fan of Barry yeah. Ferguson, but at the same time, I think yeah, there I'm is not, an, a huge jump between I'm, the yeah. elite, one of the elite players yeah. in the world and yeah. the kind of spotlight yeah, that's yeah. on winning Champions League finals and, and Barry yeah. Ferguson was a tremendous player yeah. but he never quite got to those echelons no, but you're talking about those characteristics that kind of you know yeah. you know as you know soon as you know Gerard, he you know he's he's got all that I mean that that's yeah. him in a nutshell 
Yeah, well, I was talking to Carlos Queller at the Legends game at the weekend, mm-hmm. and he said Ferguson was an absolutely sensational captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, for the foreign lads as well as the Scottish lads, yeah. and, and brought everyone yeah, together. But in so. terms of somebody to be ready made with those, you know, the same characteristics as Gerard to step into the Rangers job if he left tomorrow, there's nobody that kind of jumps out yeah. as being in that kind of mould right now. So that's a that's a difficult one for him, but that so, hot potato will be on his. To do list, you would imagine that the, the club would have said that's part of your, your remit of here. Of course. Oh, it will be. Um, well, the story that's broke today, to mm-hmm. go back to transfer stories, which is where I was going to go next with this, mm-hmm. but we've gone on to the manager, is uh, that Aaron Hickey is one of the first names on uh, Ross Wilson's list to investigate the availability of. Mm-hmm. Hearts player, obviously, can play it right or left back. Extraordinarily two-footed. Craig Levine uh, was talking in the press, I think about three or four months ago yeah. when he first came in, that there's coaches at Hearts that don't know if he's left or right-footed. He can play on either side. He can play at wing-back. Extremely talented. Very, very young. But yeah. I think perhaps the biggest testament to him and his quality, Gav, yeah. was in that Scottish Cup final. Oh, he, went, he went up against um, yeah. Forrest. Uh, James Forrest. Yeah. And, and people were looking at that on paper and thinking, yeah. well, there's there's your big battle right there. No. If, if, if Celtic can get on top of that lad, then there's going to be trouble for them. Yeah. And uh, really, Forrest didn't really have a kick in that game. No, you took the words out of my mouth, I think. I was actually sitting next to... Scott Hamden that day very early on we said this guy you can just tell what a maturity his performance and then I watched him at the Edinburgh Derby there recently when he got that winning goal but no he is um, he's a he's a fabulous talent but already linked with Man City I think so I mean if Rangers are going to go for him in January then no they they could face uh, real competition for him whether whether he's on Ross Wilson's list this early, I, don't, I, mean, I honestly couldn't say. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise I'm me. going to use an example for you, Scott. Odson Edward came into Celtic when Moussa Dembele was still there. He had a year when Dembele was... Uh, it might have been more than a year, actually, but he had a certain amount of time when Dembele was still the main man. And yeah. you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is a guy who's worth a lot coming from PSG. You'd expect him to play every game, but he's, he's quietly biding his time. Um, slowly he was introduced more and more into the first team and by the time Dembele went they had a ready-made replacement there is Aaron Hickey the same idea you've got James Tavernier on one side you've got Borna Barisic on the other you bring in a lad who's 17 you can play on either side play him for a couple of years until one of those guys leaves and then you've got the replacement right there possibly but I mean I agree with Gav watching Hickey at the moment uh, I mean I've seen him three or four games live I mean he looks pretty much ready now to go and play I mean I'm all for no, if youngsters are ready, no, just play them. Um, Craig Levine's obviously did that at Hearts. Um, I think for a young boy, as you say, be pl- no, he'd be able to play right or left back so comfortably. Um, I mean, Gav's talked about the derby. I've seen him uh, the, the live games against Hearts in the Cup at, at Fir Park, where he was up against the boy Seedorf, who I'm not saying he's a, a brilliant player, but very quick. I mean, he absolutely dominated Seedorf for a young kid. Just never gave my never gave my kick. Um, so I think he's got a huge future in terms of Ross Wilson wanting him. I mean, I'm pretty sure he would have been on Ross Wilson's Southampton list um, because you know, knowing the homework that they do and the attention to detail, uh, Premier League clubs and that that size of operation would have. You no, know, Aaron Hickey would definitely be on there. Their list of young players to go and go and scout, especially in the Scottish market, which Ross Wilson oh no naturally know well. So with Wilson moving for Southampton to Rangers, it wouldn't surprise me if he's now going to be on Rangers list. But why wouldn't he anyway? I mean, 
the start that Hickey's made to his Hearts career, if Celtic, Rangers and others weren't watching him, then they're not doing their jobs properly. So there's no doubt I think he'll be on a lot of clubs uh, kind of wanted list come, come January. And no, I'd imagine Rangers will certainly be worried. Have you got to be careful with young players of that age, Gav? Oh, look yeah. at uh, Harry Cochran, yeah. who's now on loan at Dunfermline. Yeah. Burst onto the scene at Hearts, looked fantastic. People are talking about him yeah. as being the next big thing. But at yeah. that age, yeah. a little bump well, in the road can become quite a serious impediment to your development because it affects your confidence yeah. and there's knock-on effects. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen it in the past? You know, players at that age, they burst onto the scene and they're world beaters and they're going to be the next. Well, and that, but if, you, so if you told us that John Flex's international debut would have come in 2019, exactly. we'd have been very surprised <laughs> yes. 15 years ago. Yeah, the new Wayne Rooney, the new Wayne Rooney, we've seen it. Um, I think we, I think we co- with Cochrane, Cochrane's had a few injuries, weren't he? He's had injury problems and... I think it's maybe more difficult for a midfielder to come in and make you know, a, a real huge impact. Um, but Hickey coming in at fullback, as I say, he's no, I don't think he's had any kind of injury problems. He's kind of came in and pretty much stayed there. So um, I think he's been really, really impressive. And Hearts will be, Craig Levine's no daft, he'll know. I don't know what kind of contract he's on at Hearts, but... No, they, they, he's, got, he's got a year left on nah, he, he'll, he'll, he'll know they're going to struggle to struggle to keep a hold of Well, I, th- I think there's already been discussions. Uh, Craig Levine said we've been sitting down with his dad, who's his yeah. agent, to try and try and organise something, but it's been a little bit more complex than we than we thought it would be. Yeah. So I think perhaps Celtic, Celtic get a sell on as well, don't they? Not get yeah, a cut thirty percent. Thirty percent. Yeah. Um, they were obviously uh, he was involved in the Celtic youth setup. Yeah. Uh, he started off at Hearts, went to Celtic went back, but Celtic were, were really not keen to let him go and were so um, vociferous about the fact they didn't want them let him, to let him go. Rather than take the development fee, they said, you know, we think this boy's going to do something, so we want to put in a, a, um, a percentage of the sale clause in. Um, and that's been reported to be 30%. So, yeah, that would be uh, certainly a big chunk for, for Celtic. Yeah. Say they were to sell him for £2 million. Yeah, but plus you don't know how much Rangers would be able to get involved in a bidding war, really. I mean, if Man City and teams like no. that, I mean, if that is, you know, if they are serious, you know, and even clubs, you know, below Man City, you know, for Rangers, yeah, they're, diff- not, they're, not no, going to be able, they're not going to be paying fortunes for a boy at that age, really. Gav, you're the agent, right? <laughs> you are an agent in yeah. this scenario, mm-hmm. and you've got a lad who's got interest for Man City. You can go and you know you're going to get more money. Yep. You're going to be part of that storied youth setup where you've got everything at your fingertips. Yep. Or you can go to Rangers and play 30 games a season under Steven Gerrard yep. and slowly build up to become a first team regular when you're 18, 19, 20. What would you, what would you advise your client to do? I would advise him to go where he's going to play and play games because if you really believe in him and you believe that he has top quality, that will come later. You know, the, the money will follow. I think getting games under your belt is vital, but I mean, he would need to know. I mean, there'd be no guarantee if he went to Rangers as we're just saying that he would definitely get the 30 games a season. You know, he could go there and sit on the bench. But if he knew, if he was told he was going and he was going to play regularly, I would say go. Same I, question, Scott. I, I agree with Gavin in principle, but it's difficult. I think it must be difficult for young players, you know, their families, representatives. You no, know, if you look at, if you take Billy Gilmer as a good example, I mean, Billy Gilmer, if he'd have stayed at Rangers, I'm pretty sure Rangers would have said to Billy Gilmer, look, stay here and you'll be in the first team. No, in a year, 18 months, you'll be playing regularly. So he would have probably had that dilemma that you're talking about. But 
the lure of the Premier League, the facilities down there, the, the standard opposition, standard of teammates. I think so, it's changed as well, generationally, Scott. We are what, all in our late 30s, and for us, I think there's a different pool for the big clubs here in Scotland than there would be for the kids now who have grown up on Match of the Day and wearing Man United yeah, shirts exactly. and Chelsea shirts exactly. and the glamour and social media and the way it's become ubiquitous. Yep. That That is a change in the last 20 years and I think it means an even bigger pull for yeah. kids. And, and Gavin's no, rightly talking about if you're the representative and you believe in the player, no, if you've got enough belief in him, he'll go and make it anyway. If you're the player, if you're Billy Gilmer, if you've got enough belief in your own ability, you'll think, well, why can I not get out of Chelsea and play? Do you know what I mean? That's you don't just go to Chelsea and accept that you're going to be in a, no, you're going to be in this massive squad of, of young players and never get a game and eventually go on loan and no, maybe end up in the championship or something. I mean, if that's your attitude, why bother? He'd have went. Billy Gilmer would have went thinking, I'm going to go and play for Chelsea's first team, and he's done that. He's done that already at, at, at 17. So I mean, it is a it is a dilemma. Um, and listen, Aaron Hickey might face the same same kind of thing. Uh, if Rangers and Celtic are interested, but there's big clubs down south where he's got to get down there and you know, get into the development team or under twenty threes or whatever, then um, he'll he'll be in that same kind of same kind of quandary probably. You've watched a lot of under twenty one football over the years, Scott. You've been covering the under twenty one for maybe ten ten years. How good is Billy Gilmore? Is he a once-in-a-generation type talent, though? Just to have played for Chelsea at that age. Aye. I don't know. Don't, once-in-a-generation is maybe a wee bit OTT, but he's he's one of the players that as soon as you watched him, you know, the very first time you clapped eyes on Billy Gilmore, I think most people would say you pretty much knew, you know, this boy's a player and he's going he's gonna to make the grade. I mean, there's not a lot of kids that you would say that about, but he just had a... Don't he just looks after the ball so well, Johnny, for a kid that I mean, I've probably seen him first time, like 15 or 16, uh, doing that, dictating games, you know, the confidence to go and take go and take the ball off centre-halves and build playing that. I mean, to have that at that age is, is normally something special. And that's why, you know, at 17, he's now a regular with Scott Gemmell's under-21s. He's obviously in and around that Chelsea squad. Um... And you just see him getting better, but you actually see him. He's he's physically, you know, he's always been a, a small kid, but physically he's developing now as well, and that will be partly due to the environment he's in uh, down there as well. So, no, the sky's the limit for him really. Uh, I don't see why he can't get into that that Chelsea team and the Scotland team and and just go for strength to strength. I'm going to go off piece here, Gav. What's the best young player you've seen coming through at Ibrox in your 40 years on this planet? Who well, jumps out? Who sticks that? out? Well, I mean, I watched a young Barry Ferguson. I mean, when Barry Ferguson was young and breaking into the reserve side, uh, I watched him a few times at the, when Rangers used to play their reserve games at Creamery Park, Bathgate. You um, used to watch, uh, saw him a few times there covering games, so I would say him. He Stood out like a sore thumb. Yes, uh, Bill, Billy Gilmer's similar to that. When you look at Barry Ferguson, a young kid with a head up and the kind of no, broad shoulders, if you like, no... Uh, just the way he is on the park, you know, his mannerisms and that. Billy Gilmer's actually very, very similar. Um, no similar positions, obviously, similar kind of, no, even similar passing style and that. So um, I think you can actually draw comparisons between between both. Uh, and if Gilmer, 
Dogs on to the, the kind of career Ferguson had, I'm sure it'll be quite happy. I remember when Barry Ferguson just started making it through to the, breaking into the first team interviewing Ray Wilkins about something else and he was asking about Barry Ferguson and, you know, how's, you know, how's he doing? And he says he remembered when he was a Rangers player, Derek Ferguson, basically saying to him, listen, you need to come down and watch my brother if you think, you know, you need to see this. But, you know, and he says he dragged him down to a lap, uh, public park to watch Barry Ferguson when he was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, whatever age he was, and Ray Wilkins was dragged along by Derek Ferguson, and he and I remember him saying that, oh, this guy's going to be special. So he could yeah, it was the way that Barry Ferguson at 20, 21 would grab a European game, yeah. a Champions League yeah. game by the scruff of the oh, neck definitely. and dominate it. You just yeah. didn't see that. Against, uh, was it, remember, uh, Leverkusen, Leverkusen that was the game I was thinking, Bayer Leverkusen yeah. away with that turn. Famous turn, yeah. That turn. Um, but yeah, round about then, Intru- yeah. I don't know if Gav agrees. I mean, he was no one in and around Rangers at the time, but I mean, Barry Ferguson should have been in the Rangers team long before he oh, was, shouldn't he? But I mean, it was Walter Smith's reluctance yeah. at that time to put kids in. Obviously, there was the, the pressure nine, of nine row, ten Ferguson said that. I mean, yeah. He actually admitted in a column I've done recently for the record to say that he actually can now see that Walter Smith was probably right when he thinks back to because he was talking about. Rangers and the pressure of stopping Celtic winning nine in a row now and and how that that was what stopped him getting into the first team but he can now see where Walter Smith was coming from. And you also have to be honest and say, well, in front of him at the time, players like Jonas Tern... Yeah. Um, Although having said that, yeah, yes, I, yeah, but I think back at um, the season when Rangers were going for ten in a row... Um, I think his bugbear was that Reno Gattuso was in ahead of him because yeah. he was, I mean, he, I think if you could make the argument about experience, but mm. Gattuso was young. I mean, I know he went on to become a great ah, player, Reno he Gattuso. Was at but time, no, he was, you know, yeah, he was untried. And I think Barry Ferguson was thinking, why is he ahead of me? I know he did play more games that season, uh, you know, in the season when Rangers were going for 10 in a row, but Gattuso played more towards the end of that season. Yeah, Rio Gattuso, whatever happened to him? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know, I know, oh no, I know. Even on to become, you know, a World Cup winner and a Champions League winner and everything else. But at that time, you know, it, Ferguson was definitely the more aesthetically pleasing football player than yeah. Rio Gattuso because yeah. Gattuso was like a Tasmanian devil, wasn't yeah. he? He was a whirling dervish, but he became quite a tactically disciplined player as time went on sat yeah. in that hole but he certainly didn't do that at Rangers he bombed about the park right we're going to move on to some of the international games that have been taking place over the last few days Joe Aribo's goal stands out obviously not just because it was a terrific goal but yeah. because he scored it against Brazil it against was Marquinhos 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 yeah, yeah Marquinhos who plays for PSG obviously defender yeah. uh, he went past yeah. quite a goal strength great strength and, uh, and obviously makes the case once again that Lee Boyer has got this yeah. spectacularly wrong, this yeah. uh, never-ending, it feels like, diatribe about <laughs> why his player decided to leave Charlton for <laughs> Rangers. Uh, I think Stephen Gerrard's going to let Lee Boyer forget about that comment, as he? He keeps, he keeps <laughs> bringing it up. I'm sure he'll bring it up again when he's asked about Aribo's goal against Brazil this week as well. Yeah. Um, no, listen, Aribo... I've only seen the goal, I, mean, I didn't see the actual game, I've, I've obviously seen the clip of the goal and it was a brilliant goal, exactly not exactly the type of goal that you no know, Rangers fans and Steven Gerrard want to see him uh, doing in a, in a blue shot, I mean that's why he was signed as this attacking midfielder who, who was going to you know, get into the box late, burst into the box, he's obviously, we've spoke before about no, one of his big attributes being his quick feet, you know, getting himself out of tight situations. He, he showed that in the box, even for the goal before he before he finishes. And listen, to do it against that standard opposition, eh, albeit a friendly, is uh, 
no, he deserves a lot of credit for him. He, no, he's, I think that's two caps and two goals. Yeah. Right away, I mean, what a start to your international career. Um, he's obviously fully fit again after the, the head knock and Gerard. No, we'll want to see him coming back this week absolutely absolutely flying, ready for the, the Hearts game. It's big enough, it's a, it's a big enough story making the jump from no charity on League One up to Rangers and just taking up that move in his stride because we know how many players you know struggle, especially when you're making such a leap. So he's clearly got the temperament to deal with it. But if you go back further than Charlton, I think it's just a fairy tale story. You know, playing non-league what four years ago to go from that, you know, it's been a it's been a real meteoric rise for him in the summer when. Um, speculation when his name first came up and Celtic were also linked with my member speaking to Marcus Gale who had him at Staines and that's what in he's Staines non-league you know just going to you know ramshackle grounds and he said that um, Marcus Gale said he got him in the dressing room after it he says in front of everybody said to him he says probably he said they'd lost a game against somebody it was like a mud mud, mud pitch and he said um in front of everybody, says, "Promise me, Joe, that this time, you know, next year, you won't be playing at this level." He says, "Because you're better than that out there." He said, "I want you to promise me," and he said, "I promise, Gaffer." And then he got the move to Charlotte on the following year. But it was just a quite a nice story from Marcus Gale. That's what it's and got. As well as proving, <laughs> as, as well as proving, Lee Boyer that you no, know, he's made the right move. I think tying in with what Gav says, I think he'd had to almost prove to himself that he'd made the right. Move because he did have other clubs interested. I know Stephen Gerrard spoke to him personally and went to London, and Rangers put a lot of work in. But I don't think there's any doubt that Joe Aribo you know, would have had a few kind of question marks in his mind about going to Rangers as much as he eventually made the move. I think he'll be you no know, happier than anyone now that he's made it, given what he's done, you know, getting the call up, scoring the goals, uh, playing European football with, with Rangers. Um, I think he'll now be looking back, thinking, you know what, I definitely, I definitely made the right, definitely made the right decision. I'm just going to move it on now to um, some comments that have been made by Kenny Miller over the last few days, talking about when he left Rangers, guys. Um, he was involved in a podcast with Grado and Ewan Cameron um, where he was talking about his exit from Ibrox. Wondering, Scott, how you uh, reflected on those comments and, and, and how you think uh, they all have gone down with the Rangers fans. Do you think there's a, a sense that Kenny Miller was harshly treated or do you think that um, people would rather this would just go away now? <sighs> I don't know about wish they'd go away. I mean, Kenny Miller's entitled to entitled to his opinion about how it all ended for him at Rangers. I mean, I think he's touched on it before, hasn't he, Gav? I mean, about yeah. how unhappy he was with uh, no, how it all ended, how some people behaved within Rangers. Um, but, I mean, I suppose to take it, I mean, to be brutal about it, I suppose to take it on to another level, no, Kenny would really need to come out and... Name names. Name names. Yeah. I mean, he'd need to come out and say, no, where the problem lay... No, who, who was it that was um, not responsible for for the way the way it all ended for him at, at, at Rangers? Um, and unfortunately, listen, Kenny Miller was a brilliant, uh, brilliant servant to Rangers. Obviously, over the I think it was the three different three different spells. But again, it sounds harsh. But in the eyes of the punters, no, obviously that spell at Celtic is going to go against him. He was talking about his love for the club and all that, which I don't listen. I don't doubt. 
the best part of Kenny Miller's career was at Ibrox and no, he loved he loved being a Rangers player, but no, when you've went to Celtic and no, scored goals for Celtic, you're gonna to struggle to get that hundred percent kinda sympathy, yeah. do you know what I mean? And support for for the Rangers fans. So that's why it's maybe fallen and fallen in a few a few deaf ears. Um but I mean in terms of his actual comments, as I say, I think he's touched on it before. I think everyone knows that no, him and Lee Wallace feel they were harshly dealt with, but until you no know, uh, either of them come out and really get to the bottom of it and start yeah. start naming names, then well, one day we'll find out what went on in that dressing room. In his autobiography, Scott will write it. That's what he has to tell us exactly what happened. I, I think they were, you know, they were harshly treated. They yeah, were, I, they I agree. The scapegoats. The club were going through a terrible time. It was. You know, a bit of deflection. Let's kind of pin it all on them. Yeah, you speak, uh, speak to speak to any I, I, player. Yeah. Speak to any player of that that was in that dressing room. They'll say both of those boys were harshly dealt with. Uh, no, both of them were sorry to see them go. I mean, honestly, any player you speak to, ask them about. No, either of them as professionals and as teammates, yeah. and there's not a bad word to say. So, no, I, I agree. I think they they were harshly dealt with, but. Mm. As, as we're saying, until until we can actually get to the bottom and find out what happened and who was yeah. responsible. And it's, and, it, and it's not his fault either that if, I mean, you're saying, you know, keep going on about it. I mean, the thing is, when we're ever interviewing, you know, players, if we, if we ask him a question, we want an answer. If he's going to give an answer to a question, then, you know, fair play to him. Fair Maybe I use the wrong, uh, the wrong, uh, what I mean, I suppose, is that we that they would like to move past oh, yeah, no, no, that get, incident given I, where yeah, I get the club that, is now. But what I'm saying is it's not Kenny Miller's fault. If some, yeah. if he's continually asked about it in press conferences, which he invariably is because it makes a headline and people are interested and they hope that each time they ask him they might get a bit more. And maybe well, that seems to be maybe, what's happening. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, and maybe, maybe he'll eventually cough. I mean, if, if we didn't do it, we wouldn't be doing our job. So yeah. if he answers, but he just keeps giving the same answer and people put it out as being new, whether it's a newspaper, a podcast or whatever, then I don't think he can do much about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that struck me as quite sad for Kenny Miller was when he said, I don't know if I can go back, that I'd be welcomed back at the club. Yeah. A club that I spent, what, yeah. nine, ten years at yeah. across three spells. Well, he went, I mean, he got a decent reception, did he not, when he went back with Dundee? Mm-hmm. I know he gets sent off, but... I think he means within the club, like, for example, at a Legends game well, or something. Uh, like that. Oh, a right, coach, okay. a coach well, or something, yeah. maybe, like. I don't know if the fans would turn on, would they necessarily? Although the Legends game on Saturday, I think Charlie Adam was brought on along with Stephen Gerrard, wasn't <laughs> it? To drown out the booze. I must admit. Did this pass you by? The, no, it was, it was the interview. It well, was, yeah, he it, gave it was, an interview, interview in 2012. When he, yeah, yeah, when he was down. No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, But I'm just saying, I don't know, would Kenny Miller get the same treatment as that, is what I was saying? No, I don't think so. I, th- I think that was quite a specific complaint about that interview that, that Charlie gave, but I think Charlie would regret giving that interview now and was probably, probably yeah. Yeah. just concerned about his brother at the time and perhaps it just didn't quite come out the way he would have liked because yeah. clearly he has affection for the club. Yeah, yeah. it was a clever move bringing them on with Stephen Gerrard, wasn't it? <laughs> I think Gav's right though, but, but Kenny Miller did get a decent reception when he went That's back it. with Dundee. Mm-hmm. If you think of the reception Lee Wallace got in his last couple of, kind of cameo appearances when he mm. got... No, a real big ovation as well, didn't he? So, yes. I mean, there, clearly there is a bit of sympathy for those two players with the majority of the supporters, but no, in terms of what you're saying, I think there probably is a small amount of them just think, look, get over it. No, we need to, we need to move on. And that won't change until uh, Kenny or 
Lee Wallace uh, comes out and comes out and names names. Right, you mentioned the Legends game, Gav. Yeah. Uh, we were both there. Yep, yep. Um, was there any players that you thought, ah, oh, he could still do a job? <laughs> Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. <laughs> certainly certainly still looked pretty good. On both pretty sides, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia was decent for Liverpool. I thought Clint Hill was uh, great when he came on. Loving Kranz is still lightning quick. Yeah, and still um, not very clinical. <laughs> yeah. And Alex Ray. As well, Alex Ray was terrific. Yeah, honestly, uh, they all stood out. Some some great passes and, Jim, and Jimmy a great Carragher. Chris Boyd's lost his clinical touch as well, hasn't it? With that penalty, uh, uh, but he still scored. Penalty. Still scored. Still scored, but pure penalty. The guy I was, I mean, I didn't. I've not seen the game. I've only seen the goals. But mm. the guy I thought that would stand out like a sore thumb was Alan Hutton. But is that was that not the, seen, no I the was case? I was seen, Scott was asking me that on uh, Monday when we were talking about the game. But I, I thought I was a bit disappointed in Alan Hutton. Considering he's somebody that was actually linked with a potential return to he Rangers, didn't, he didn't. He didn't put a foot wrong, really, but he wasn't no. a, a key part of the game. He wasn't. I, th- I thought. Involved. I thought he would. Have, he would have totally stood out. I mean, given where he was playing last season, the level he was playing, I mean, he's only stopped playing in the in the summer. Uh, I know he had, uh, he had offers for a few a few clubs down south where he could have continued playing. I don't think he's going to do that now. But I just thought in that particular game, God, he'll be. I was expecting him to be like bombing up and down the, yeah. the right flank, creating creating chances. No, but it was a good day. I mean, the weather for a start, I mean, that helped me. When you look at the weather at Hamden 24 hours later, <laughs> I mean, that was shocking. But So that was great that the sun was out for a day like that. It was a great crowd. Um, sometimes these games can, you know, hit a bit of a kind of lull. But first half, obviously, having the five goals... Five goals in 34 minutes. Yeah, so that kept everybody going. And then in the second half, when you're worried that there is that kind of bit of lull, I think people were, minds were thinking, right, when is Gerard coming on? It was then just a case of the countdown. And then, you know, when he went off and then the time it took him to go up the tunnel and then he emerges from the tunnel with a strip on, which is what people really were there to see. Um, it just helped kind of raise it all again, you know. Uh, and then yeah, even in the wee moment when he was walking down with his son after full time whistle when his son was walking down with the ball he, yeah. was, he was egging him on to score so no it was a kind of good day all round you think he retired a little early Gerard? no I don't I think he said that himself I think if you actually watch some of those games right at the end of his time at LA Galaxy I think even he admitted himself that he was probably struggling a bit at, at that kind of real high level you know, he could have dropped. I mean, I'm sure he could have dropped right down the leagues, but I think that's it. That, that goes right back to what we're saying at the start of this podcast about Gerard's standards and you know his professionalism and all that. He wouldn't have wanted to nah. to toil and you know, playing games in the championship or no, or even coming up to, to Scotland. I suppose at yeah. that at that stage in his career, no, he was a guy that played pretty much his entire career at the very top. Um, so I agree, I think he probably did call it a day at the right time, but you can tell just we've seen a few of the clips of him for the, the game on Saturdays. No, he obviously misses it. Uh, he'd love to still be it, and he probably feels in his head that he could do it, but his body's probably telling him telling him differently. He was desperate to score as well, wasn't he, Johnny? I mean, was there not one moment was it where Garcia didn't pass or something? Was somebody, he gave somebody a, a right rollick, and I think it was Garcia that didn't pass or... Um, and he was just desperate, desperate. Yeah, well, he was put through at and one point. And then Hill, point. Then, was it Clint gla- Hill made yeah, a great tackle? Did they not glare at Clint Hill because he got a touch that took on at the post or yeah, something? Yeah, it was a great, it was, it was a brilliant tackle from yeah. Hill. A brilliant interception, sorry. 
Well, it was an entertaining game, but what a crowd, 30,000 people. Obviously, yeah. there was 20,000 at Hamden for the Scotland game. Well, so. that's the thing. I, think that, I think that's why these games are arranged. Um, I mean, we went down last season, uh, sorry, earlier this year, yeah, last season for one that was arranged down in Blackpool. Um, and Was that Rangers-Liverpool as well? That was Rangers-Liverpool as well. Or was it, it was more like a kind of Premier League select because right. it was the same day that Liverpool were playing AC Milan. But there was, I think initially it was billed as a Liverpool one, but there was a lot of, right. it was <clears throat> the second string of Liverpool, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but I think there's just so much apathy around these international breaks, especially around the Scottish national team, you know, and you know, fans are just desperate to get a, a fix of anything. They'll just go and watch it. They'll just watch it. <laughs> just watch pretty much anything. But tickets were reasonably priced. As we said, it was a nice day. It was a chance to pay at the gate. So they were able to just rock up. So, But it was that as a, a very decent crowd. Scott, do you think that's a potential problem going forward, this apathy for international football? That it just that's, seems to be compared to 20 years ago that just nobody a, really cares. It's a problem for Steve Clark and the <laughs> SFA. Um, I listen, we all, we all know that's the case. That's, that's what 20 years, no qualifying for a, a major tournament does, I'm afraid. Uh, it won't change unless results change. It's like, I mean, I know people can... People are moaning about Scotland, they're moaning about who's getting picked, who's not getting picked. The bottom line is, if Scotland were winning games... And no putting in good performances and getting close to or qualifying for major tournaments, I think fans would would come back and you'd get Hamden filled. Um, I mean, me and Gavin were both at the England game, weren't we? Two two at Hamden, the Lee, the Lee Griffiths game, and it was absolutely packed to the rafters, unbelievable atmosphere. And I know that's against England, but Scotland actually competed that day. No, and we're still. Thought they maybe had a wee chance of, of qualifying. Um, if they can get to that kind of level consistently, I think you'll get punters back. But at the it's moment, ama- it's amazing how far they've fallen in that two and a half. Yeah, it is actually, I know it's easy. It? I mean, I'm probably guilty as anyone. I thought Strachan's time was up, but you know, hindsight um, is a wonderful thing. You suppose when you think back. We really should have stuck with them because... Mm, his time was up the minute he started blaming genetics, guys. Know, you can't but, come out with stuff like that But we were, we were getting somewhere. We were, at least at least he was getting somewhere and he'd learned from his mistakes. You know, we were on the right track. I mean, look now. I mean, look what we've done since. It's come definitely on. gone downhill since then. It's gone downhill, so I mean... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, no. I, I, well, like you, I, I was absolutely convinced Strachan's time yeah. was up. So, I mean, I... I I don't know how you can now go back and say, oh, no, no, you, you didn't you feel that way at wrong. the time. Do you know what I mean? You but admit you were wrong. It, it has went downhill, but I still think, uh, I still think Strachan's time was, was up. I'm going to get hate mail for allowing this record Rangers podcast exactly. to come about Scotland. So. Oh. <laughs> and with Twitter, there is a direct link to me, so I shall uh, call it a day at that. Thanks for listening, guys. You can obviously get in touch with us on Twitter. As I've said, I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott E. And Gavin Berry never remembers his no, Twitter handle. I, he always spends the next three or four seconds looking just, it up just while search. I spraff away, just buying him time. Nobody bothers me anyway. Scott's the main man. I'm just... I just address uh, any... Gavin Berry DR. Or you can just address any Twitter uh, abuse to Scott for Gav. Uh, He'll pass it on to him. Okay, guys, until next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, no.